Welcome to the Guernsey Daily, I'm Rob Byrne. And I'm Ollie Gue. As Islanders begin to cast their votes, the candidate interviews are over, so we're doing something a little bit different. Yep, come Friday we'll be meeting Guernsey's new deputies, but for now we're welcoming back our resident fact-checker, Andrew Barnes. Now, you may have heard the BBC's candidate debates over the past couple of weeks. They've been a good addition, but we've noticed there's been a fair bit of misinformation flying around, so we picked two random episodes and decided to fact-check some of the claims being made. So, uh, let's start with this one. Deputy Lyndon Trott said, on the two-school model, thousands of people marched in opposition. Uh, Rob, do you want to kick us off? Well, Ollie, this is kind of like the equivalent of the Trump inauguration debacle where he claimed that a certain number of people were there <laughs> in reality it was fewer this is this is much closer and um so as a starting point i looked at the way it was reported in the local media now every outlet with the exception of one estimated 2500 people so if you're saying thousands more than 2000 that would be accurate uh, the guernsey press uh, came to a lower estimate of 2000 Um, So on the face of it, you can understand, you know, that that that's perhaps a reasonable claim to make. Now, the interesting thing is that the figure isn't attributed to a source uh, in any of the reports. So sometimes what can happen is police uh, give an estimate and often that would be attributed. I contacted them. They didn't do that. Um, It could be that the first outlet uh, to report it could have been a trusted outlet. Perhaps the BBC went with an estimate that others followed. Um, that's not easy to know because the articles don't have timestamps on them. Um, they just say on the particular day. So the other thing is you wouldn't hope that it was based on an estimate from the organisers, you know, the kind of Trump thing. Often people tend to want to over-egg public support for something. So I think you can probably rule that out. So if it was a case of the, of people just basing uh, the estimate on on the number of people and counting or, or or taking into account the the area which they were tightly packed in, which was Market Square, was pretty much full. If you look at the uh, photos and videos from the event, one report also said the crowd stretched back into the arcade. Now, I was able to find a pretty cool online tool that uses Google Maps, and you can basically mark out the area on Google Maps. It works out how big it is, and then you can look at uh, pictures of crowds and compare and say, well, that density looks about right. And then it jumbles it all together and comes out with a figure. Um, So I did that for Market Square based on the pictures. And it looks like I went for a pretty conservative two people per square metre. And that came to 1,300. So I think it's pretty safe to say there were more than 1,000 people in Market Square. You'd assume the majority of the people who were on the march, which started, I think, at North Beach, or the, somewhere else in St Peterport, you'd assume that they would have stayed for the speeches that were going on in Market Square. But until I know for sure where the media got the estimate from and how they worked that out, you couldn't say for certain that thousands of people marched. But you can understand why Deputy Trot said that, because it's based on the reports at the time that all said more than 2,000 people were there. I don't know if that, <laughs> it's a bit of a difficult one, but it was actually quite good fun trying to trying to get to the bottom of it, although I've not quite uh, achieved. Uh, um, okay, so uh, next up we got Barry Weir. Um, he said, I first got involved in Guernsey politics in December 19 on the Jenny Kendall show, and she said to me as a new person to the island what I thought of it, and I said to her, look, as a very successful businessman, Guernsey's bankrupt. You should call in the receivers. It's that bad. What do you reckon, Andrew? So the first thing is that bankruptcies for countries don't really exist. Well, the closest alternative is called a sovereign default. 
which is a very different process. And basically, a default is where a country is unable to fulfill some or all of its debt obligations. Like there's varying levels of this, um, depending on how much it can or cannot afford to pay. We can measure the level of default by or level of risk of default through its credit rating. So we're going to look at Standard & Poor's, which is the largest credit rating agency, and they're the only one which is rated Guernsey. And they rated it AA-, which is pretty good. Was that at the time of him saying that, November 19th? Yes, it was. So from 2016 onwards, and they renewed it this year in July. So it's pretty good. Like three grades below the highest grade, six grades above the investment grade board line. But those grades are still quite a lot higher than the risk of default kind of level. So if we're talking there's a substantial risk of default, Guernsey is 12 grades above that. And the difference between being in default and Guernsey's level is 17 grades. So it's nowhere close to being in risk of bankruptcy. Okay, next up we got Tony Walkington. Um, he said, we need to be on par with Jersey with our broadband system. It's no use Jersey being second or third in the world when we're on par with Uganda. So this is broadband speed. Uh, it's something that's come up a fair bit, much to my delight, Holly. I don't have a towel on my head at the moment. I'm not sat using, leeching some public Wi-Fi, but I am at home. We have... You did just disconnect, though. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, we have just had some connectivity issues, though. Um, so when candidates are referring to um, broadband speeds, I, I think what they're referring to is, is a recent study um, that was published uh, on a website called cable.co.uk and it's been pretty widely reported including in the Guernsey press earlier in September. So that report, uh, let's deal with Jersey first, so we need to be on par with Jersey is what Tony Walkington said. Well Jersey is second, second or third as he said in his quote there, that's correct according to this sir, these rankings. Um, it comes up second with a mean broadband speed of 218 megabits per second. Now that's really quick and it's only behind Liechtenstein, Liechtenstein being number one. Now on the second bit of what Tony said we're on par with Uganda. Uh, well if you're looking at the same survey which people seem to be looking at um, that's incorrect. Guernsey is ranked 48th in that survey with a speed of 37 megabits per second and that's roughly the same as the UK and Panama which sit either side of it in the rankings. Uganda is way below Guernsey. It's ranked 152nd with a speed of 5 megabits per second. Uh, so that bit is definitely not correct. Okay, and uh, Tony Walkington again said the comprehensive system doesn't work. England's proved it. It was an experiment that ran for 40 years. Now they've gone to academies and grammar schools. We shouldn't go down that road, definitely. Okay, so let's start with the grammar school point, um, because as is it true, we've already looked at how good grammar schools are, and basically they don't really provide any advantage once you start controlling for more and more factors. In fact, like, dis like very disadvantaged kids are particularly underrepresented in the grammar school system without any tangible benefit to like students across the board. So a grammar school system isn't really a good option. 
In terms of academies, well, most academies are effectively a comprehensive kind of system in that everyone can attend these academies, with the exception of some sponsored schools. So you'll have faith schools where they're all, they'll rely on being a certain faith to get admission. But you also have to consider academies probably wouldn't work in the Guernsey context because academies are based on competition. And there's no real way to have substantial competition in Guernsey. For one, we have the catchment system, which automatically means there's no real competition between schools, unless you're including the private schools as well. And the second thing is there's just not that many potential schools that could open up. The more that open up, the more kind of like traffic issues and things like that you're going to have. Like if people are going to commute from, I don't know, like the north of the Vale down to Tordfall to get to the best school on the island, that's going to cause some real problems. Next up, we've got Fergus Dunlop, and uh, he said on the debate, we have a staycation pound which is worth three times the whole of the tourist and business pound. So we've trapped on Ireland £150 million of holiday spending, which way, way outweighs anything that the tourist industry brings in. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack there. And I think the first thing to say is it's still too early to say what the value of on-island spending has been since the travel restrictions were brought in. However, there are estimates. Uh, Deputy Gavin St-Pierre, the island's chief minister, uh, has actually given some of those on, on this podcast. He said that the states had expected the economy to contract by 9% this year and uh, was also expecting there to be a an 190 to 200 million pound uh, budget deficit. Now, you can see where Fergus Dunlop is coming from because the sort of economic and fiscal position isn't thought to now be as bad as it was when those original estimates were made. So what Deputy St-Pierre said was the government's now estimating a smaller contraction in the economy at about 5 to 6%, so not 9%, and also a smaller budget deficit of 150 million rather than perhaps 200 million. So the situation is, according to Deputy St-Pierre, looking a bit rosier. Now, that's because, uh, and again, this is <laughs> this is where the logic uh, comes from, uh, the Chief Minister says the stricter border regime has actually trapped an extra 100 million pounds of domestic consumption. So that's money that's being spent in shops, restaurants, on staycations, Boats and houses were some of the other things that he mentioned in that interview. So that's this um, staycation pound that Fergus Dunlop's referring to, if you could broaden it out, perhaps. So that's that's potentially money that stayed on the island that otherwise could have gone. Uh, so let's deal with that. Um, that's been estimated at 100 million by Deputy Gavin St-Pierre, who, you know, obviously has the official government statistics to hand. Fergus Dunlop estimates that be much more at 150 million. So... Let's get on to whether that money trapped on the island is really worth more or three times more than the value of the tourism industry that hasn't happened. <laughs> so I hope you're still with me on this. Um, so how much is the tourism industry actually worth? The states of Guernsey said there's no precise way of assessing that. But recent estimates value, if you look at the direct and indirect contribution, so if you apply the multiplier effect of the industry, you know, um, supplementary businesses that benefit from tourism, they think it's worth about 4% of the island's GDP. 
Now, the most recent GDP figure, which is the overall value of goods and services uh, in the island's economy, is 3.2 billion. So if we if we then apply that generous 4% to tourism, that comes to about £131 million a year. So if we go back to where we were before at the start, the reality is... Um, and this is based on the state's own figures, which they accept are best estimates. The value of the staycation pound, as Fergus Dunlop puts it, is a maximum of £100 million. And that is less than what the island would normally make annually from tourism, and I say normally, pre-coronavirus, at £130 million. Now, there's some uncertainty around these figures, but what you can say by looking at the 100 and £130 million is that Fergus Dunlop's estimate that uh, the trapped holiday spending is three times the value of the tourism industry um, or what it would ordinarily contribute to the economy uh, probably isn't right. We're going to finish up with another one from Fergus Dunlop here. Um, he said, we are in a V-shaped recovery like we're not seeing probably anywhere else in the world. Yeah, so first thing to think about is a V-shaped recovery can only be, in, be determined quite a while after the V has happened because um, a V-shaped recovery can become a W-shaped recovery, which is basically, sure, the, the V like has a dip now, but it can dip again later as other countries experience these difficulties. It can also be a K-shaped recovery, which is where overall the economy shows a V-shape, but one or two, like several industries do show a, de a continued decrease after the fact, like they don't recover. So like visitor accommodation is continuing to show a decrease in like uptake, uh, obviously, because we don't have those tourists coming over. So people don't need to take up that visitor accommodation as much. Um, as for anywhere else in the world, not seeing a V-shaped recovery, well, suddenly countries like China have shown a V-shaped recovery. They've recovered very quickly. They are effectively in the same state as Guernsey, and their normal, very high growth rates have helped with the V-shape. Well, Andrew, thank you very much. And uh, this will probably be the last time you're on the show. So thank you so much for your time for contributing to the Guernsey Daily. If anyone wants to find out uh, more about what you're doing and to dig into some of the fact checking that you've been doing, they can find you on Twitter at GSYisit. Has it been a wild ride for you? Has it been more work than you ever imagined uh i don't think it's more work but certainly balancing it against my normal uh work has been difficult how much truth is out there uh, very little <laughs> <laughs> what a comforting thought well andrew it's been an absolute pleasure thank you very much and uh and all the best with any uh future fact checking that you do yeah thank you very much for having me and you guys too Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for listening. In tomorrow's episode, we'll be speaking to outgoing deputy and political watcher Chris Green. After that, our next episode will be on Friday meeting Guernsey's new assembly. In the meantime, if you're still undecided, go back and listen to our previous episodes. We've got full-length candidates and bite-sized manifestos. To get in touch with the show, find us on Twitter at Guernsey Daily or email theguernseydaily at gmail.com. Remember, the full list of candidates is available on election2020.gg. You can also hear us on Guernsey Community Radio, who we're proud to be partnered with. Until next time, goodbye. Bye for now. Bye.